0: Welcome to the Great Food Debate presented by This Week Community News, a podcast about where to eat, drink, and more in Central Ohio. I'm Abby Armbruster, your host of the show, and before we dive into the conversation, I wanted to let you know that we have a new Facebook group for all of you Great Food Debate fans. You can find it by going to the Facebook page for This Week Community News and clicking on the Groups tab. In the group, we'll be talking about restaurants that didn't make the cut in our podcast episodes, behind-the-scenes info, and fun tidbits about food. If you are a foodie in central Ohio, you will want to be a part of this Facebook group. But now that we have that out of the way, let's dive into today's topic. I'm sitting with three guests who are going to peel back the curtain about how technology is used in their restaurants. So joining me today are...
1: Um, thank you for the invite. Uh, my name is Orlando Sprockle. I'm the IT Director for the Cameron Mitchell Restaurants.
2: Thanks, Abby. Uh, Chris Shire, the founder of Join My Table. We are a social dining platform that does prepaid dining where everything is included.
3: My name is Stephen Harmon. I am co-founder of Fusion. We're a fast, casual sushi restaurant based here in central Ohio. We have 10 locations um, all in Ohio.
0: Perfect. And Stephen, since you are our one veteran today, I'll start off with you. How is technology used in your restaurant?
3: It's 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 located just about everywhere. So whether it's uh, internal or consumer facing, we're we're using technology in new ways. And I think um, typically the restaurant industry sees technology as we see it last. And when you when you look at all. Uh, industries, And I think that we're finally seeing this wave of, of, of technology coming into our space that is really, to use a tech word, disrupting uh, the industry. So whether it's delivery, online ordering, ordering ahead, customization, um, dispatching, delivery drivers, the list goes on and on. Whether it's um, scheduling for our staff, um measuring our, our, our cost of goods on a real-time basis or our labor on a real-time basis, uh, technology is, 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 is here to stay and it's also kind of ubiquitous throughout our organization.
0: Well, and one thing that uh, Fusion has is its own app. And mm-hmm. I know you've done specials that if you want a specific role that you can order only through the app. So tell us a little bit more about the app.
3: Yeah, so the app was developed in 2016. Um, you know, we, our, our goal as we grow is to really take the restaurant outside of the restaurant um one of the main dining decisions um that that our customers are faced with is convenience and quality and we want to be able to hit them where they are on both of those um on both both of those items so what does that mean um when we started this restaurant nine and a half years ago we were we were about 50% dine-in 50% carry out but 100% of our customers had to come into our restaurant to, to interface with us that is a completely different equation today um, with so many options and everybody fighting for screen time, um, on people's devices, you know, it's a much more competitive landscape in, to how we get in, in front of our customers. So it's not just happening in the restaurant. It's not just happening on the serving line, uh, face to face. It's meeting people where they are. So whether that's at their desk at the Columbus dispatch or whether that's at their kid's soccer game or whether that's, uh, at home before their favorite sitcom comes on, um, we want we want to be there. So the best way that we feel that we can interact with our customers and really understand them um, intimately is if we can interface with them in the devices in their pockets, the devices on their desks. And so um, I think we were pretty er- we were early adopters in this. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of proud of that. But um, um, really interfacing with our customers in the way they want to be interfaced with is is, is what um, which. Is, is why we developed it in the first place
0: sure uh, Orlando so you work for obviously Cameron Mitchell, but what does director of IT mean for a business like Cameron mitchell
1: so um, as far as it and the, the the technology for us is everything so before I took this job my i t was very vertical very specialized um, working for the Cameron Mitchell restaurants um, it includes everything so the the core Computer stuff, you know, um, a network security, but also now includes the concept of, you know, security meaning camera, the music, the TVs, the Wi-Fi for our guests, and everything else around supporting both um, the uh, the associates working at the restaurants, but also the home office side that supports the restaurants. And then we have the technology, as was mentioned before, the customer-facing technology. Mm-hmm. So pretty much everything that's plugged in these days is under my belt.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> And uh, Chris, your website, your all of Join My Table, you can only access through the website. So if people have never done it before, t- talk to us a little bit about Join My Table and what you use with the website.
2: So... Um it, yeah, it's a website instead of an app, um, mainly because when you go down the app route, you have to support two different programming platforms, and so in the early stages of a business, it's super easy to edit and make changes without Mother May I from iTunes and everybody else. <laughs> um, I'm sure you know that pain, Steve. <laughs> so we, and it doesn't require downloading anything, so it's super easy for us to get in front of people, um, share links into things, and get it promoted out there through social. Channels. Channels and email and everywhere else. Um, we really, uh, guest chat is probably the coolest thing that we have on there because if you're having any trouble at any moment or you have a question, and it's really funny because most of the chat stuff that we get is not, I have a problem. It's, hey, I love the idea of this table. Will they do it vegetarian or can they do it gluten free? Hmm. And we are able to quickly. Respond to them, get in touch with the restaurant, come back and take care of it for them, and everybody says yes. Um, yeah, we've worked with a lot of Cameron Mitchell restaurants, so everybody feels compelled and and must follow their philosophy of saying yes. But I think you know when when I got into this, the reason why I built the business um, after uh, full disclosure, eighteen years of working with Cameron Mitchell restaurants in digital marketing, I saw a business opportunity in that I would go into a restaurant that I knew had a phenomenal menu and they would be slammed to the walls Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. And it's Monday or Tuesday night and it's half full, but you know, there are seats. How can we, it's an inventory problem. How do you get butts in seats on those off nights or slower day parts? Or how do you build lunch business? Which is always a challenge for a lot of places. Yes. And you know, after noodling around a little bit, we came up with this thing. It's like, we'll make it something special that will compel someone to want to do that. And so we went went back and talked to restaurants and said can you put something together and sometimes it doesn't even have to be off menu it can be we've paired really well these great items from our menu and the chef's going to come out and talk to you about where the food came from and how we made this thing. And people are just kind of more interested than they've ever been in the experiential side and the understanding side of where their food came from, who did it. We have this incredible chef culture in Columbus. Um, If you go to Chicago or uh, Cleveland, everybody knows who Michael Simon is. (laughs) I defy you to ask a guy on the street who's one of the best chefs in Columbus. I mean, Mm -hmm. we just don't talk these people up enough so over time we're hoping to really build that conversation around the great chefs and the makers that we have the brewers the distillers the coffee roasters the you know these little wineries that are popping up everywhere so our platform gives everybody a chance to showcase what they do while at the same time getting a really good business hit out of it we don't take any money from the venues that we work with um, they give us a food beverage service um, and profit number and we work work from that to back into a final price that includes tax and the credit card fees and everything else that's on us. And um, we make sure that that price value ratio is still really good for the guest. But unlike delivery services, which are pulling like 20 to 30% off of the entree price for some of their participants, um, they're eating so deeply into what's already a very compromised amount of profit that Mm -hmm. we're an easy sell. I mean, there's nobody who says, yeah, I don't want to work with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> They're all happy to do it. The biggest problem is that that between yes and getting to well, what are we going to do? Because they have a million ideas, and and that's where we are right now. Is like getting all that solidified.
1: Yeah. I can attest to what she's talking about. I attended one of those join my table um, a couple of weeks ago, and it was amazing. What she just mentioned is that the chefs and both the um, uh, the. Um, The GM, in this case, came out and talked about the pairing of the drinks with the food, the description of the food. So, yes, definitely the experience was amazing.
0: Chris, since you are uh, the founder of Join My Table, I assume that if there's some kind of big sweeping change you want to make on either the website or just making the experience a little bit better for the consumer, is that an easy thing to make? Or do you have a lot of people you have to get... To sign off on that, so
2: easy. (laughs) I I cannot. I worship this developer that I found, this lead developer that I hired toward the end of last year because we've been using contract development and they were great people and everything. But this guy is genius, and we just hired a second guy behind him so that he can move even faster. But um, he's basically refactored a ton of code so that it does much more easily a lot of things that are you know game changers for us down the road, like being able to reskin the site and allow somebody to white label this wow. as something that they could do for their brand that's huge mm-hmm. and and i think we've got immense opportunity and, and tech is just i'm sorry i love it I, i'm a geek <laughs> <laughs>
0: well and steven and in, in orlando i assume you have a, a little bit more of a, of a process to go through in order to make some kind of big change or or am i wrong
1: no the, um something so depending on how, the scope of the change so if we need to make a technology change that will impact um more than one restaurant that's going to require some conversation if it's a technology will um, impact the back of the house That's a different conversation. But there are some technology or a necessity, so that conversation will go faster. So if it's something that we need to put in place because it is needed, either for compliance purposes or to improve whatever the process, the operation of the restaurant, those conversations will happen faster. But when it comes to a technology that will impact us as a whole, both the restaurant and home office, like cybersecurity, that's a longer process because it will change the culture, how we operate and how do we change the behavior of our own associates so we can protect um, things like the credit card for the customer, the guest.
0: Sure, sure. And Stephen, what about you when, when wanting to make a change to either the app or your websites or anything behind the scenes?
3: Um, I, for, for us, we, we're making changes from a customer-facing standpoint based on customers' demands, customers' needs. Um, I think that a lot of it is, is, for us, is integration. So it's how do we integrate all of our products through one central mechanism that that allows our customers to fully enjoy fusion um so for example your app when you place an order through your app isn't just an app that goes into the cloud somewhere and you know rings our phone and says hey Abby wants a, a tuna roll, Right, it, it, it goes to um, our accounting software, it goes to our point of sale software, it goes to our kitchen printers, It and, and, and eventually gets digested by a human being that makes <laughs> your food. So, um, so it, it is a complex uh, network of, uh, of integrations that we work with day in and day out. But from a standpoint of, of speed or, or efficiency, we're pretty patient on vetting things out. Um, as a primarily build your own concept there's about a billion and a half permutations of how you can build a sushi roll Mm -hmm. and if you can dream it you can do it and people dream it and people want to do it so um, it's on us to figure out how do we make that happen um, in a a, a streamlined way so um, at the end of the day our goal is actually to make the technology component of it go away and and really have a customer-facing interface that is as close to interacting with a human as possible. So a lot of that is, to to achieve that, is a lot of complex integration on the back end, but what you're seeing should be very simple.
0: One thing that we kind of touched on already, but like point-of-sale systems, I assume, Orlando, for you, does that change for something like Harvey and Ed's versus you know, Cameron's American Bistro or anything like that or is it pretty much the same system, just different menu items?
1: That's correct. So we use the same um, um, POS system um, across all the restaurants. Um, there are uh, changes here and there, as I said, um, when it comes to the menu changes. And some restaurants will use what we call KDS displays, so the kitchen display systems. Other ones use just the printer in the back end, so we'll, you know, the um, items to be made are, are, are printed out. But in, from the high level, um, everybody uses the same POS system across all the restaurants. All
2: right. If I could jump in. Yes, We go ahead. did... Um, In our other, my other role with Madison and Fifth, our digital agency that works with them, we do all their website work at Cameron Mitchell. And so when Harvey and Ed's was popping up, they were going to try test drive again, online ordering. And all these POS systems, to Steve's point, everything can connect to all these different things. and there's so many players in the space from Hot Schedules who can help you keep your labor costs in check and all the, you know, the online ordering systems. There are a million different flavors of that. It can be really challenging for restaurant owners to try to pick the right thing. Because if they're not technology savvy, they get into a hole where it's like, well, I thought this online ordering thing was going to integrate with it. No, I have to answer the phone or I have to touch an iPad before and then <laughs> approve it, and then it goes into the thing, and it's not integrating with my accounting. I mean, that is, all of those checkbox things are really, and that's kind of what Orlando has to keep <laughs> a 50,000-foot view on, is can we make sure that what we've got is going to be integratable and, and not stress the team? Because then you're, then you're adding manual labor. To something that was supposed to save you. Yeah. yeah. And let you have that. supposed to be that, automated. Really,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and and that's what I was going to ask, too, but we'll, we can get into it now.
3: Real quick, um, POS. Yes. Uh, point of sale. Yes. Uh, it's always an interesting conversation when you have uh, uh, restaurant tours or people in the restaurant business because nobody likes to talk about it. Because, you know, there's no perfect system. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, you know... As technology evolves, we are seeing some evolution in in the uh, in the point of sale realm. Finally, <laughs> um,
0: so talking about technology, mm-hmm. you know, changing what kind of experience you have, does that add another layer of complexity with all these different technologies talking to one another?
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we're seeing in the restaurant industry what happened about 10 years ago in the hotel industry in the airline industry so the kayak.coms of the world popped up the travelocities popped up and everyone was going to these third-party marketplaces to you know get the best deal on their hotels and get the best deal on their on their on their flights um you know there is there's probably no better example of a of a perishable product in a hotel room that doesn't get sold so if you could sell it that would be great um and so we're kind of looking backwards and saying okay what happened 10 years ago that worked what happened that didn't work and then when you bring in that perishable food or perishable uh, inventory conversation of the mix food fits that box too so um our goal uh at fusion is to is to Again, meet our customers where they are, so whether it's on their phone, at their soccer game, in their office, at their dorm, um, we want to find them and we want to be there and we want to serve a product that's not compromised um, to the best of our ability at all of those at all of those uh, different stops so we have leveraged um, some of the third party delivery companies uh, to 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 make those deliveries for us. Um, but unlike the kayak.coms of the world and unlike the, the travelocities of the world, we were, we're creating, um, we're, we're creating some differentiation. We're creating a reason for them to come to us. So for example, you could download our app, order your sushi roll, ask for it to be delivered. And we're going to dispatch a Postmates d- driver to you. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why we do that is we want to own the relationship with our customer. So um, the other option would be to go to DoorDash.com, scroll through a bunch of restaurants and figure out which one has the best pictures and choose that one or which one's free delivery for the day. Um, we're very sensitive to that becoming more of the Groupon of the 2019 and beyond <laughs> where people are kind of, you know, into these marketplaces uh, focused on maybe some flash sales or flash offers that are going to get food to their door. Um, And uh, we want to be giving the reasons for customers to dine with us through our own platform. So um, we do play both sides of that coin. However, moving forward and um, and into the long run, we want to own the relationship with our customers. So that looks like things that you mentioned earlier with limited time offers only available through our app um we did a uh, a collaboration with luke's lobster out of the east coast over the summer and uh it it was only available online um and we see a lot of interest in that um we see a lot of uh increased traffic through our through our app during those types of promotions we also want to offer dietary needs through our app which you can't get through the third-party marketplaces so if you're if you're on a keto diet or if you 're dairy free or gluten free or vegan, um, we want you to be able to slice and dice our menu to customize it to your heart 's consent or content, but not through what i 'm kind of considering a competitor in the space, which is the third party marketplaces so really trying to figure out ways for us to remain competitive in the space and actually treat fusion as its own platform sure um, which is which is has me and and and, and and the people that I work with day in and day out are thinking completely differently about the restaurant space um, and how the, quote, Amazon effect is changed uh, the way we're all thinking. So, um, yeah, we're fighting. We're f- fusion's at war for our customer um, and, and, and owning that relationship because we want to hear from you. We want to create the hospitality and the food and service, which the food service business is known for. Um, and we don't want technology to get in the way of, uh, of that experience. So however we can create hospitality through de- uh, digital mechanisms is is our focus.
0: Sure. And one uh, restaurant I wanted to be here, or someone from the restaurant, uh, but they couldn't because they just opened up another location, is Pierogi Mountain. Because I've never seen any, any restaurant so openly say... Go through Uber Eats, go through Grubhub, go through Postmates to get our food. Don't even call us, just order through through a a third party. And so that surprises me that you'd want that kind of attention from a third party, but it seems to do well for them. You know, I'm not speaking for them, but.
3: You see, you know, Fusion's not doing this today, but, um, you know, you're seeing the advent of quote cloud kitchens or you know people are building their restaurants smaller where they're not having net nearly the amount of labor in their restaurants to produce food so you know they can afford to pay the 20 to 30 percent that they're not paying in labor mm-hmm. i mean i don't know what it takes to make pierogies but sure. <laughs> but um they sound delicious yes <laughs> uh, but uh, but you know it you you could i guess conceivably make money paying out the 20 to 30 percent if you didn't have all the kind of traditional elements of running a restaurant. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're seeing in the space, especially on the coastal cities where, you know, you're seeing vertical integration from, from all the way from, you know, sourcing to, to, to producing to, to making to delivering all under one roof. Um, and you're actually seeing multiple ki- multiple kitchens, multiple restaurants under one roof, it really just back-of-house staffs producing food
1: that's getting ready for delivery. Yeah, I
2: don't man. know if they're...
1: Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say the same thing What Steve's mentioning, is the ability to understand your customer, your guest. Mm-hmm. So if you go to the DoorDash, as Steve is mentioning, you lose that because they own that connection. They own that data. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, it's important that you understand who your guests are so you can then improve and then change your menu and then connect them with them. And, and would, for the third-party marketplaces,
3: like specifically, I think when you look at them all across you know the spectrum of uh, of of the offering for the restaurant side and for the customer side it's 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 a race to the bottom because hypothetically let's say fusion makes an amazing sushi roll it's just what you wanted but the DoorDash driver showed up and was an hour and a half late or dropped the food or you know anything could happen in mm-hmm. transit but ima- imagine a situation where the customer is not happy and fusion of course wants to make our customer right but doesn't own that relationship and has no way to contact the customer Mm um it it makes for a very difficult situation where where honestly everybody loses doordash loses fusion loses and the customer loses so we're really looking at this as you know the long you know from a long lens and saying what does this look like in 10 years 20 years 30 years and at the end of the day you know the consumer is going to vote with their dollar on what makes the most sense. and I th- we think that, you know, you can only get burned so many times and not be able to have, you know, an ability to make things right where, you know, at, at the end of the day, nobody wins and we want everybody to win. Sure.
2: Postmates did this really cool thing. I don't know if they're still doing it, but when they first came out in San Francisco, they had their drivers just going around a particular area and they would have the food in the car with them that you could tweet an order. And they would... Bring it to you wherever you were, and it was a set. Or you know, actually, they would they would post the menu that day on Twitter, and then you would message them to get them to come, and they would meet you at the corner. They just give you the Bonnie <laughs> sandwich or the you know whatever it was. It was already preset. Wow, which is a great way for a restaurant to get out there and make mm-hmm. it super easy for people who are in offices and that kind of thing. And I I have no idea if the, if it really worked for them or what it was doing, but that part I kind of like. Yeah, in in its little universe, because it makes sense it helps the restaurant during a high lunch rush if you've already made it in the morning mm-hmm. it's preset it's not going to get bad I think food quality to your point is is so important and it is the first thing that fails yes you order a medium rare steak from somebody I mean that's it's going to be medium by the time it gets to your door right
3: and the French fries will be soggy yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> nobody well melt came up with their own patented um thing it's like a heat box really and they're they're willing to sell it to other people and configure it for settings that are appropriate to others but imagine that I mean wow they knew people wanted their food but it needed to get melted cheese yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> I brought you your rubber sandwich yeah <laughs> so.
3: I, I, I think that the, the Twitter the Twitter example that you made is interesting um, you know we saw probably in 2012 2013 a quick a quick quick um, I don't know if you'd call it a fad or just, a, you know, a, a quick trend that was happening where people were, you know, where we had some restaurants that were creating these hot zones around, around town. So, like, I th- there was a company in Denver who would show up at the same place mm-hmm. at noon, um, and they would have, you know, 50 cheeseburgers ready to go, and, you know, they'd get rid of them within probably 30 minutes, and then they would do it again the next day. Um, that turned into food trucks, um, where food trucks were showing up on site and i think moving forward we're going to see an interesting model too where you know we're actually piloting this now where you know we're going to go to big um large office buildings maybe like this one and uh you know we'll take a we'll take a standing order every single day where abby can customize her sushi roll and all of her coworkers can customize their sushi roll and they get their order in by a cutoff time and we'll bring a large delivery that we will fulfill ourselves um and therefore not paying any delivery fees um to, to, to large office buildings, so you know it's interesting how kind of we're we're seeing these trends kind of. Um, play out where people want their food, they want it now. The, the trick for us is how do we get exactly what you want in your hands now?
0: We and will definitely help you pilot the program. <laughs> yeah, great,
3: great. I just, that it, was recorded. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's on the product,
2: record. Product Hunt is doing a, a their meetup tonight has um, a startup called BFF, which I think is Best foods, Best Food Fast. And it's a little AI bot that inside an office using Slack you say I'm feeling like tacos today, and they sort of <laughs> aggregate all the data from all the offices and then put in an order to bring a taco truck to your location. Oh or my do something. Right. Yeah, I mean it's it's
3: incredible. Yeah, it, it's yeah. interesting. To, you know, where we go with food is going to be crazy because you know with these. Every, every every industry is, is relying on data now to the point where we can get data about ourselves by doing a 23 and me and figuring out what you know what should be in our gut every day through our microbiome and you know it'd be interesting to see if, if these two worlds intersect to see like you know I'll only show you what year what you're. And 20, you
2: know what and from a marketing perspective, I see that as such a huge mistake. Um, P&G did a really interesting test a year or so ago where on Facebook they spent the same budget and they marketed very specifically into these very targeted groups when you could still target groups, micro-target them on Facebook. And it was like, I want a soccer mom with three kids and a dog. I want a you know, single guy living alone, yada, yada. Half the budget went there, half the budget went to just big, broad, don't you love Tide? Here's a coupon. You know, and it went to everybody. And guess which performed better? Specialized. Yeah. The broad. Really? Yes. The broad. I By a, a small margin. But the point is, I may not be that single guy, but I may know a single guy who needs who that needs product. that thing. And I think wow. when you narrow cast, you start losing opportunity. And I will tell you from our perspective. You know, we've had very slow, quiet traction over the course of the last year intentionally so that we could test drive-through and get things right and, you know, pick the right partners going forward. But in February, we did um, a, a dinner at the House that was the Hamilton dinner. The guys put together a 1700s menu that was awesome. And um, it was going to run for three weeks. And it was so interesting a concept that we got coverage on 10TV. And you could see the spike in engagement. It was crazy. So broadcast, you know, and traditional media still has a place for everybody. I mean, you have to, you know, billboards will bump your, and we know this from our clients, billboards will bump traffic by 10% at a location nearby for a period of several months after that. Wow. it's There's stuff that people just still need to know about you. Um, so getting too micromanaged and micro-targeted in a thing, and on top of that, I think you're going to see in the next year legalities getting in the way where the government's going to start stepping in and doing the GDPR thing like they did in Europe, and you're not going to be able to triangulate that data the way you used to without hassle to the guest, mm-hmm. without saying, hey, I'm going to take your order, and if you don't mind, I'm also sharing it with, Open table. I'm also sharing your financial data with. They're going to have to disclose. And mm-hmm. um, I, I just, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a mess.
1: Yeah, we're seeing a problem with that, particularly with that California Consumer Act, oh, which is yeah. not only in California, but it is going to spill over into other states. So that's something else we have to deal with. We're already dealing with with our location in California, but it is going to spill into other states because it's the same thing what Chris mentioned about the the European um, um, Inf- Information mm-hmm. Act there. So. It's just going to be something that we have to be very careful what is shared with who. And so if you collect data from your guest, um, your guest at any time can say, I want to opt out. And so now you have to go back into your, your you know, backup, your historical data, and remove um, any data that you have of your customers.
2: I mean, the California law right now, it's a sunshine law, means that if I if I want to know what you've collected about me, I have to write to you, but you have to provide me with everything that you've you, done with me yeah. for the last three months. I think they yeah. they limit it at least yeah. and to three fi- months.
1: The but fine is pretty high. If after the the guest I'm asked and you sort of agree that you remove the data, and but the final you still have the data, it's a fifty thousand dollar fine. Wow! <laughs> so, yeah. Wow! This is
2: it's nothing to play around with. And the other thing too is people get too got too comfortable in using these third party services, you know, like Facebook and Mailchimp and other places where they keep data mm-hmm. um, that can be, you know, maybe not held by them. You have to constantly be pulling this stuff down into your own universe because if it's a third party service that you've got a terms of service where they can pull it at any time or suddenly are legally limited not to allow you to have it,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. you've lost all of that. Peace. I mean, it's very important to. I, I love that you're staying in your own house and trying yeah. to bring it into your own walls because that's really important. Yeah,
3: and you know, it, we, we we mentioned earlier how like you know tech and restaurants were the last to see it. But you know, when even going back ten years ago, nine years ago, thinking about the conversation that we're having around this table would have been like let's just make good sushi and
0: let's (laughs) let's
3: let's hope that everybody who likes sushi and who doesn't like sushi at least gives us a shot once and we all got to eat um so it's interesting to hear kind of you know for somebody like yourself who is much more in the tech world day in day out um speak about broadcasting versus targeted marketing and you know i think at the end of the day whether you're a fusion fan or not i think we're all very careful to to create something that has value to 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 the people in our communities and um you know i don't i might be wrong but i don't i don't see a a scenario where you know a, a sushi restaurant in columbus ohio really needs to look at um you know Delivering their product outside of a, of a certain radius around around our restaurant, so you know I think there's still a lot of heart and soul in just being a great operator in the restaurant business. Um, you know, treating people right, doing right by our customers, and and letting that marketing, you know, word of mouth, one might call it, uh, you know, be be the catalyst for for um, how you interact with our brand. So. You know, we talk all the time. We have this app. We have online ordering. We have a lot of technology built into Fusion as a platform. But if you've never eaten at our restaurant or you've never interfaced with our restaurant, the chances of you actually interacting with us is actually really low. So it's really more for people who, our technology from a consumer side, is really more for people who, you know, want us more. You know, mm-hmm. rather than getting us once a week, they, now they can get us twice a week, um, and 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 do it in a way that
1: that that's convenient for them. Yeah, the, the amazing story um, uh, here is that as we're speaking about technology, and as I socialize within my circles, my peers, every time I would go to a conference or a meeting, whatever, uh, the leaders will say. You are an IT company that sells X. So like we look at the the big companies here in Columbus, right? The Nationwide, the banks, whatever. They are an IT company that sells insurance or financial services it's a different discussion when you are in a food industry right it's kind of because you still like you know steve's mentioning you still have to provide that food so tech, but technology is coming up so we are sitting at a, at a table now with the uh, leaders of the company to make sure they understand what technology does for them it's not just something that supports the back end but technology is now coming front end now also
0: well and uh, steven you already kind of uh, touched on this but you know, if you do have a lot of empty tables or something, you obviously want more people to be making reservations or sitting in your restaurant that night. And, you know, I made a reservation through Yelp the other day, and I should, I could have gone to the restaurant and called them up, but instead I went through Yelp and that was easy. And hey, look, I got an 11.30 a.m. brunch for tomorrow. Great, done. <laughs> uh, but does that add any complication for you on your end, Orlando? No,
1: actually, it's a, it's, um, a technology that we, um, that we use very well. Uh, because again, two things. It allows us to fill those seats you know, a little bit easier, but it allows the guest itself to pick the um, the time, the table they want, without actually taking um, a time away from a host at at the, at the stand in the restaurant to take a phone call. So it's another venue, another avenue for us to again provide services to our guests, so they can make that reservation.
2: I think, you know, that's a great lead into one of the prime heartfelt things. Um that I have as a principle, guiding principle for my business is that I've worked in technology for 20 years. I'm embarrassed that I've been around her <laughs> that long for it. But so I've been, I mean, I learned how to make websites when it was only HTML and there were bulletin board groups online. There was no <laughs> class at CCAD. There wasn't, you know, we were excited when we were like, oh, it's a 20-point font. How did yeah. you do that? <laughs> so it, I know, I feel it in my gut And it's starting to bear out in some studies that they're doing that all of this life that we've created for ourselves online is not real life. Real life happens in your restaurant mm-hmm. When people are enjoying it And you can see their faces And that feeds your energy To create even better and more And get feedback in real time from people And when people are walking past And they see a full restaurant That's a much different story Than looking at a half-filled restaurant And a bunch of DoorDash guys Running out the door, right? <laughs> Absolutely I mean, that that says to me Why would I want to go in there? It must be a horrible experience, <laughs> right? You know, it's not just about convenience We are training people to avoid one another mm-hmm. And to not be in. In the real world Having an authentic life With other people On a very I mean Sort of intrinsic level So I think it's really important That we as restaurant people, support real-life interactions and make it easy for people. So when technology, the rule for me is, if what I'm doing technologically makes it easier for someone to engage in real life with another human being, I'm on the right track. The minute that I'm putting it out there so that somebody can avoid having a human interaction, I'm in the wrong place for my brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I just think we've got to start thinking more about this. There's so much anxiety out there. There's so many kids who don't, you know, they feel bullied, they feel whatever. It's changed the face of how we deal with one another. Mm-hmm. So, off my soapbox.
1: <laughs> and, and what Chris mentioned, for us and in our um, restaurants is the, you know, the, is the experience and so technology has to be sort of in the background for us there are technology we want to, um, we are looking to bring in um, into the restaurants like for example pay a table but that's more also for uh, coming back to the security concept right and make it convenience for um, uh, for our guests so you rather than you know taking your credit card take it back processes bring it back you sign a piece of paper um the, the convenience here is to bring the device to the table have the guest process so their the credit card never leaves their hand and also makes the whole process more secure those are Technology that you know is coming in, but does not remove that that what Chris has mentioned that human interaction. With in our case, you know, we want that we want the guests and our servers to talk and and sort of identify the different um uh, modification you can have with the um, with the menu.
2: So I will tell you that one of the biggest takeaways that we got, you know, we we're thinking that we're selling really cool experiences, right? What we're actually selling is comfort. Because when you prepay for the experience and you come in, when you watch it, it's amazing. When people sit down, they're not messing with menus and talking to each other about that. And then somebody stops and they check their phone because everybody else isn't done yet and all the rest of that. They immediately just sit down and start engaging with each other. Mm -hmm. And the phones don't come out. It's weird. And they and the, by the, they get to the end of the meal, and they're like, we didn't take any pictures of that thing. Darn it. You know? And then they take pictures of themselves, and that's what we really want. Mm-hmm. And then they don't um, have to flag for the check or anything else like that. And it's just an easy thing. So a pre-show dinner, it's great for that kind of thing when you have someplace to go. Yes. But for the restaurant, it reduces table turns by 20 minutes. Wow. Because people feel like they got the good experience they wanted to have, which was hanging out with their friends and eating something interesting without all the rest of that hassle. So we, that's for us, that's the disruptor. Sure. Removing that payment process changes the entire experience.
0: That's a great point. Because how often do you have to flag someone down and say, all right, we're, we're actually done here or whatever. And and did you have the, I didn't
2: have the appetizer. I don't want to be, I
3: don't want to pay for that. And (laughs) yeah, I don't want to split that. Yeah.
2: Are you leaving the check? I only have cash with me.
3: yeah <laughs> i think i think what i'm hearing as we go around the table is, is is if technology can augment the user experience not from an augmented reality standpoint but like <laughs> augment and make 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 what otherwise would have been a marginal experience better
1: um i think in the restaurant space that's what that's where the the secret sauce is you yeah. know I mean, again, coming back to technology. So, like, for example, in, in our restaurant, the fine dining area, um, the whole concept of managing the light system, you think you know, how important it is, right, is to have the right ambience. So, again, we're bringing technology in. Those things are, um, you know, I don't want to say computerized to some level, but, yes, you can, you know, the, so the general manager or the manager on site can walk on an iPad very quickly, very easily manage and touch and then change the ambience, change the light. Mm-hmm. And so those are the technology I was talking about. Again, they are not customer facing, but they make the experience better. Same thing with the sound, the music, and, and so on. Definitely. Yeah.
0: One thing we haven't gotten into is cashless stores, which like a famous example just recently was Lox Bagel. They, they opened up and they said, we want to do cashless because it's safer for our employees. They don't have to deal with cash hopefully they don't get robbed, you know. There's nothing that they would be getting, but then they got some flack for that because people who maybe don't have a credit card or just have a couple of bucks want to come in and buy a bagel, which is not an expensive item, uh, so they now carry cash. But I guess I wondered, Stephen, did you ever even have that discussion of going cashless?
3: Yeah, we did. You know, as our restaurant has matured, um, we've seen cash become a much less prominent payment type. Sure. Um, but that being said, we you know we almost called fusion omni sushi because we want to be sushi for everybody so um with that spirit we we, we've actually not gone down the road of, of of doing cashless but you know from a from an operator standpoint uh, it gives you a lot of peace of mind. I'm not going to lie. You know, there's there's you know theft issues. There's safety of our of our team issues. If we're not if we don't have cash on on, on site, you know, it's much less temptation when we're closing a restaurant with, you know, young young employees at midnight every night. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there there are some some some. Uh, some benefits from the operator side to, to, to have that conversation and to make that move um we're seeing some some municipalities like i think philadelphia just said we uh, you can't do it anymore um where you know we do want to create opportunity for everybody to be able to transact with in our restaurant um what i'd like to see and i think maybe uh you know approach that that might be that might be you know, in the future is how do we work together between operators and consumers to create a win-win situation where if you don't have a bank, how do we help, help you have access to a bank mm-hmm. um, rather than this turning into this social media, you know, blow up or, or I've even read like New York Times articles about this, that, that you know, turn into kind of this like polarizing um, debate. And I think, there, I think there's a win-win where we, where we could work together as consumers and operators to come up with a, with a solution um, that would allow us to, to be able to transact in restaurants with or without cash. Um, I think we could get creative there. So I understand the kind of both, both arguments. Sure. But I think there is an opportunity in the future to, to work in a way where we can, where we can fix that problem.
0: And one thing we have not gone into either is demographics. Uh, So I don't know if I would assume most of the younger people are the people who are downloading the apps or booking things online. I mean, I'm unfortunately an example of that, but I do still call restaurants if I want to order something. But is that ever a roadblock for you to have to cross with? Uh, older people or people who just say, you know, I don't want to download this app or or book something online. I want to call you and, and you book something. Would
2: be shocked, really, at the number of seventy-year-old people who are totally fine with it. <laughs> um, I I literally have had to, you know, they 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 are the ones who are the first ones to kind of give you feedback on stuff, and sure. it's all been positive. But I'm kind of shocked that it's that easy for them and I think it's on the the uh, business. Sure. To make make your app is like super, super easy, you would be surprised. Boomers and people in the upper end of the X Mm -hmm. generation are just as frantic as millennials about, you better make this easy for me. Yes. Because I don't (laughs) want the hassle of, I need to be able to, you know, and they're on their phones, they're all over Facebook at this point with grandchildren pictures and stuff. So they're familiar with the interfaces. And if you do a good job on user experience and you make it intuitive, Mm -hmm. you have made huge fans and they're there they are people with money mm-hmm. right. I mean and I think that drives yeah. a lot of that
1: yeah if you have to make somebody click too many times, you'll lose them. Yes, and then you will may lose them forever. So yes, right. it has to be easy. And it's not just for the, the you know different age group. It's just in general. Like um, I have two young daughters, 28 and 27, and they are quick to say, "Oh, this is not good. Website is bad." They go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to make it so easy. So and I don't think it's a generational thing. It's just more of how easy it is. So it's more on the e- how easy it is rather than the the. the The options you have.
2: Well, and I think people will make the leap and they will learn how to do something if the end result is compelling enough, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. If you're offering an exclusive experience of something they're gonna go all right I know, hey can you come in here and help me with this i can't do this. it's fine yeah <laughs> i don't care how they make it through there but, but it's, we haven't had that yeah.
3: I, I read an article yesterday i thought it was hilarious it was it's not just the millennials who are facetiming instagramming and ordering their food on their phone all at the same time mm-hmm. it's the parents too the person on the other yeah. line yeah so I, I think that helps corroborate the uh the, the demographic yeah. Yeah. there's no uh, question you know i think unfortunately we're all connected and fortunately i suppose too uh
0: we talked about this a little bit before the uh podcast started but do you think that servers will ever become unnecessary in restaurants orlando do you want to
1: um not on on? our case so in (laughs) in the camera restaurant that is one of the you know main part of our restaurant is that experience you know providing that interaction that conversation and you know talking about the pairing the special of the day so in our restaurant um I don't think it will happen
2: <laughs> You know And I think that that Interestingly for them Over time It's been the The key differentiator Is that If I have a special occasion If I need to go somewhere I know I can at least be guaranteed That if I choose A Cameron Mitchell restaurant I'm I'm okay mm-hmm. um, There, Which isn't to say That there aren't Many restaurants In Columbus That deliver At that kind of level No sure, question Sure But that's the reputation They built over 25 years That takes You know That's what you get. Mm-hmm. Um I will be sad if that's what we see happen, because not just because um, people who are guests will lose out, but there are people who really enjoy the the practice and profession of service. Mm -hmm. They love helping people. They love bringing joy and bringing something to people. And we don't have enough of those people. Yes. And and we need to make and we need to make their lives better. I mean, part of my business model was making sure that the service charge was incorporated in the price of the thing because sometimes when people use other platforms to just buy tickets for a meal online, sure. they don't include that and the servers mm. are like, Oh no, it's not I'm not, I'm gonna get nothing. Because yeah. people are like, Hey, I paid seventy five dollars online. Why what do you want more from me now? What are yeah. you crazy? So I, I really you know, that is a whole class of Really incredible workers that deserve our respect and who do deliver something that we need.
0: Mm-hmm. And speaking about going cashless, I, I mean, I know I carry a little bit of cash. I've been in the habit of carrying more, but for me, I always feel terrible if I know I'm walking in somewhere, even using a gift card, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have no cash in order to pay for this server. And I would never ever go anywhere without paying for someone. But you know, I, I always tip no matter what, as a former restaurant employee. <laughs> but but. The that's always a big fear because it's very rare that people carry cash very much are there any other restaurants that we haven't mentioned that that really feel like they have either their technology really squared away and it makes sense and it's easy for the consumer and all these other things is there any other uh restaurants that really do that well or that come to mind when you think of that
2: i just had lunch at borgata in worthington and um it was the first time someone in Columbus presented me with um, the reader yes. to, to pay.
1: Yeah.
2: I loved it. Yes. It was I'm glad that you guys are going down that path
1: because yeah, that was definitely. great. Definitely. I mean we are in the process of piloting that device at the Cap City Grandview. Okay. So we're close to i um, uh, to Pilot that, and then we are looking at the different devices. So we have to start looking at the, how the customer interface with it. There are different models. So there's definitely the types where it's kind of bulky, less bulky, and so. Sure. Um, but to your question about um, restaurants and, and the technology, um, I have a couple of connections at the Wendy's um, company. Um, oh. So there are large companies, you know. <laughs> <Sure>. so Their <laughs> IT staff is a little bit larger than ours, but, but uh, it's just interesting to um, to have the conversation with a company of that size, understand how technology is being used within the company to promote certain um, parts of the operation. Compared to smaller companies like us, our IT teams are smaller, so technology is used differently compared to them.
0: Sure, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. And uh, going back to the handheld you know, credit card machines, I think I went to Alpine and they had that, and my husband was like blown away that they had that, and it, is, it really is an impressive thing, even though it makes, it hopefully, makes both of our jobs easier, yep. you know? Uh, any other restaurants, Stephen, that come to mind?
3: Cameron Mitchell restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Are there any other aspects about restaurants and technology that we haven't brought up yet?
1: The whole question about what happens in the back of the house, right? Yes. So I was talking to a chef just the other day about the concept of, you know, food temperature and um um, so right now they're still using the old-fashioned thermometer to verify and all that um but moving forward we'll start using devices that can automatically after you check the temperature log it wow so it's now logged in the system by time and what temperature and again just back to the whole thing about you know being um being careful about what uh, what we have and also having that audit trail we can now go back and see what happens you know and with the temperature so Bringing technology into the company, and particularly, you know, as you know, the um, IoT, Internet of Things, all these gadgets, all these devices. Yeah. So trying to retrofit um, our restaurants to be able to allow us to connect more devices, more instruments into uh, you know, wireless or wired, but still technology-wise.
0: Yes. Well, and that's a great point because, I, like – I used to work at Panera in college, and that's something every half hour or whatever, you'd have to log that yeah. and stop and take take that time to, okay, write this down, and then so, whatever. That would be very nice yeah. if it was automated.
1: <laughs> so right now, you know, because sometimes what happens is that you take the temperature and then you realize, oh, I need to do something else. So say, I will do that later. And yes. it later never happens, right? Mm-hmm. So now you take the temperature; it automatically logs it because it is a device that's connected to our backend system, and that gets automatically put into the into the log, the electronic log. <laughs> that way, we can go back and then look at things if we have to. Yeah, you know, it, it, the IoT—that's a tech people love.
3: Um, what are they called? Um, gadgets? No, not gadgets. What's an IoT? It's a um,
2: internet of
3: things yeah, yeah it's a uh, acronym oh yeah. and we love acronyms so uh, internet of things that's a good one but you know you, you mentioned temperature log um and i'm thinking about how how is fusion doing this and then i think yeah the internet of things is everywhere you know right now we have devices in our walk-in coolers that will tell us what temperature they're at at any time of the day and it's i, I don't know if that was accidental or just kind of the way that that of the world works but you know we just had to bump up all of our our, our uh internet networks across across the entire company <laughs> to 100 megabits per second yeah. because there's so many devices connected now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and uh you know it's i'm thinking of the back of the house now and, and and kind of the things that that consumers don't see that 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 uh hopefully get appreciated through food safety through mm-hmm. um you know through even even um Employee wellness. There's a company right now that's using artificial intelligence to send, like, text messages to team members to, you know, see how they're doing. Hmm. And using data across the organization um, through surveying to maybe make suggestions on how to better lead individual teams. So, we we pride ourselves on our culture, but every restaurant has its own unique microculture with it within that. And uh, there's technology companies trying to shape the way these microcultures develop um, through you know, uh, surveying and artificial intelligence. So, really interesting stuff. I don't know enough about it to speak intelligently about it, but um, you know it's. The IoT—that one's coming back with me. I was <laughs> so, yeah. so, I,
2: the you know the thing that I'm reading this, listening to this really great book called um, "Weapons of Math." Destruction okay. M-A-T-H, written by a woman who's actually here speaking today and tomorrow at um, the Women in Analytics conference that's happening, which has gotten bigger and bigger every year. And what they, you know, the analytics that's happening, the big data stuff, um, it's not quite an, an acronym yet, but it is, that is the monster mm-hmm. behind the door and the dark side of big data Stops people who are perfectly worthy from getting loans. Stops people from getting jobs. Mm-hmm. Stops people from being able to buy a house. I mean, and and I worry sometimes about the impact that some of that people capturing data. Not what you were talking about necessarily. I like the check-in and like, how are you feeling today? Mm-hmm. You know, because that gives a manager a chance to boost and say, hey, you know, because maybe that person, just boyfriend broke up with them and they're feeling bad and they're not doing a good job. You've got some context for people. So mm-hmm. I get that. But I'm talking about let's use a scheduling program that allows us to minimize the amount of work that somebody can get and not let them know for their own life and peace and, and anxiety's sake when they're going to be working mm-hmm. in the next two weeks. Yeah. Yes. And for how long. I, I, people are people. They're not things. Right. Do I turn this machine on or off? I get that. Yes, <laughs> IoT. Do I turn this person on or off? I. We have some issues, mm-hmm. I think, that we need to yeah. be careful.
1: And, yes, to, to add what Chris mentioned and Stephen earlier about the technology and also checking on our employees at our associates, right? So, you know, when you put in, in the formula here labor laws. so now you have to also, again, be able to verify or, you know, that this particular associate took the break that is required. Yes. Certain states does have that requirement that you have to follow through and they have to verify that they, you know, the, the break, you know, took place. Um, so again, technology is allowing us to, um, be, um, you know, I don't want to say um, allow the manager to slack, but it allows us to to have the manager have a better understanding who's taking the break and when and all that.
2: And for that manager to focus on bigger things, yes. mm-hmm. like get, maximizing the training of that employee and getting them, you know, better into the culture and that kind of thing instead of going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was just reading about a Starbucks, another former employee or employer of mine, that they do you know one week at a time for employment and sometimes if you know you just auto generate your schedule well then you might be working 10 days in a row and the computer doesn't realize that mm-hmm. so it's like well okay I, that's nice that i worked monday through friday but i also don't want to work saturday through thursday that doesn't really seem to work but you know so we're not quite there but we're getting closer <laughs> i think
3: i think uh one thing we haven't talked about i think we've mostly been focused on the internet of things but you know there's a lot of technology happening on in in restaurant equipment and restaurant design and restaurant um execution as well you know um for anybody who's eaten at Fusion, we employ a few modern machines that are marketed as sushi robots to help us, you know, control our portioning and control the way our rice is made. And making sure that there's consistency for every single uh, guest that comes in, whether you come in on, you know, Sunday night before we close or Monday morning when we open. Um, so there's actually some really cool, like, like technology um, coming into the equipment space, into the retru- restaurant space, even in the, in the home user space. I mean, if, you know how many people listening to this have a sous vide now because um, because Amazon <laughs> put it on there did you know,
2: know you can sous vide in your instant pot
3: no, I didn't know that. Yes, you <laughs> can. I, tra- I traded my instant pot for a knife. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, I, th- I think the Internet of Things is one thing, but also just for consistency's sake and for making sure that we can replicate um, our our food quality uh, coast to coast and, and 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 scale it is is a really promising trend for the industry too.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Well, and and even thinking about raw fish, it would be so much easier if somebody else handled that part of it, and you knew it was consistent every single time, instead of training some new guy who's been there two weeks and maybe butchers a fish. That's a huge <laughs> profit issue for you.
3: <laughs> yeah, so. you know, we we try to use those mistakes as uh, learning opportunities yes. <laughs> for the next time. But I know. I, I I hope and 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 I feel that that hopefully the craftsmanship of the restaurant industry does not go away. Mm-hmm. Um. You know there is real people that show up before the sun rises every day in one in every one of our restaurants to produce food for people to eat for lunch and dinner every day, mm-hmm. and so uh, that's that's a special thing that uh, unless we put like webcams up, nobody gets to experience. Yeah, and uh, I, I hope. And, uh, and, and and Fusion will do everything it can to keep that at the forefront of what we do is taking care and pride in, in making our food every day for, for, for our customers. So,
0: And one final question to uh, wrap things up is we uh, talked about, you know, having a good human experience. But are there any restaurants that don't use Wi-Fi or don't even have it available? So you kind of force that human experience or maybe a no cell phone rule.
1: Campfire somewhere.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Jeff at Fox in the Snow is pretty adamant about about no uh no Wi-Fi and every time I go there which is frequently I pull out my hotspot and I feel guilty about it because like, <laughs> I love your coffee and I, but I have an email to catch up on but uh you know it's a it's a really interesting take and and I, and I actually do love going there with my wife and my family because it does give us you know kind of a barrier to entry in terms of disconnecting from from the internet so kudos to for jeff for staying true to that one i think uh i think that there are certain places that you can't go that you don't need it and you know the background of my phone says hashtag unplug kind of of ironically it's a reminder that hey life's happening and Mm -hmm. we don't we don't need to be um, living through our phone
0: well and actually fox in the snow is who i thought of when we were talking about online ordering versus going to tea i would always even though the line is crazy long every saturday and sunday i don't care i'm always going to go to fox in the snow (laughs) and stand at that long line because they're efficient but you know doing an online ordering they'd have that if you want to do it 488 48 hours in advance but but still, I would much rather have the experience of going there and seeing all the people and all the hubbubs. So. You, just,
3: you just hope that nobody takes that blueberry scone Yes. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it gets better.
2: <laughs> my, uh, my happiest unplugged place is um, that beautiful patio on the back of Rock Mill Brewery.
0: Oh, At yes. The,
2: that is on a spring or fall evening when everything is, you know, green or turning. And, you know, it's just... It feels right to be hanging out, enjoying some food that you bring, or, you know, he started bringing food trucks and stuff, but,
1: yeah. Yeah, I I cannot remember where I went last, not being connected, but (laughs) for me, I I mean, when I get to the table, yes, the phone is away, but in our case, we do see um, our guests, when they're waiting in the lobby or around the bar area, they're still probably on the phones, but Mm -hmm. same what Chris mentioned earlier, is once they are at the table, the phone goes away because they're there with their friends, their families, you know, so, um, but, to be totally um, I'm not connected, I cannot remember when I was at a place. <laughs> I mean, somewhere, like I said, on the campfire or somewhere, you know. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. And as always, we want to hear from our listeners. Are there any restaurants we forgot to mention that use this technology in a cool way? Or do you have any future suggestions for future episodes of this podcast? Get in touch with us by emailing online at com. send us a tweet at thisweeknews, or comment on the Food and Wine Facebook page. That's slash This Week Food and Wine. And uh, you can now find every episode of the Great Food Debate in one place on our website, thisweeknews.com slash greatfooddebate. So, guys, thank you so much for joining me. And where can people find out more about your business? Orlando, <laughs> we'll start with you.
1: So, yes, you can go to our website, um, uh, dot com. um All the restaurants are listed there. So you can um, uh, look at the menu, uh, look at the reservation time when we're open. Um, so, yes, hopefully we'll see you guys in, at one of our restaurants soon.
0: <laughs> and if the website is terrible, they can complain to you? <laughs>
1: Hopefully not, they'll complain to Chris. Yeah, so, so our that be me. So our, our customer-facing website is managed by Chris. <laughs>
2: So Chris, where can people find out more about join my table? Maybe not jogging on your website, join my com. right now. We just have a few tables, but we will be ramping up pretty heavily. Steven,
3: if you're uh, feeling adventurous, we would invite you just to stop in any of our three central Ohio locations and meet us face to face.
2: See this guy. <laughs>
3: okay. But if you want to do your due diligence, you can always check us at fusion.com or if you're curious about our app, you can check out com slash app. And, uh, Hopefully that'll give you the uh, the confidence to come and give us a shot.
0: And speaking of which, you can go to the test kitchen, which is you know one of your three locations here.
3: Yeah, so our Grandview store is our is our official test kitchen. We've been piloting a new menu there for the last month, and we rolled it out at the beginning of uh, of um, last. Or I'm sorry, the beginning of March, we, we we rolled it out to all of our stores. So whether you're in, if we got any Dayton listeners, any Cincinnati listeners, Toledo listeners, um, our new menu is live in all locations, getting rave reviews. So.
0: Perfect. Yep. Well, thank you guys so much, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or you can hear every episode on our website, thisweeknews.com. This is Abby Armbruster signing off, and stay hungry.